Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both a workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And today we're starting our reading in Chapter 9, The Correction of Error, with Section 1, the Introduction, and 2, Sanity and Perception. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of today's lesson. Today is Lesson 101, God's Will for Me is Perfect Happiness. And that will be led by... Inspiring brand again today. Okay. Um, let me turn to you, Lori, and ask, uh, would you give us one of your poetic openings this morning? Well, I'd love to today. I was, um, I was amazed and surprised to find this poem this morning. It's one of my favorites. But when I think of God's will for me is perfect happiness, this poem comes to mind. It's Mary Oliver in her book, The Ponds, and it goes like this. Sorry. I think there might be one unmuted line. Um, so anyway, it goes like this. Hello, can you hear me? Am I the unmuted line? Um, i if you, you can are. hear me, I must be the unmuted line. I'm sorry. <laughs> my phone wasn't working. I'm on my boyfriend's phone. Um, it's a flip phone. Does anybody know how to mute the line on a flip phone? I think uh, it's star six. Be... Yeah, there you star go. Star six? Okay, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you bet, Ida. Okay. So here's the Mary Oliver poem goes like this. Still, what I want in my life is to be willing to be dazzled, to cast aside the weight of facts and maybe even to float a little while above this difficult world. I want to believe I am looking into the white fire of a great mystery. I want to believe that the imperfections are nothing, that the light is everything, that it is more than the sum of each flawed blossom rising and fading. And I do. And I do. Amen. Oh, I love that. Thank you. I do and I do. I love that. 
Amen. And I do. Oh, yeah. Great poem, huh? Thanks, guys. Yeah, and that's, that seems just perfect for today's reading. Um, and okay, let me go through the list here. I have with us in reading, <clears throat> I have Lori, Fran, Harrison, and Karen, maybe Robin Marie, and uh, Ida has joined us. Would you like to read this morning, Ida? I'm I'm listening. Thank you. Okay. Is there anyone else who's joined us this morning who would like to just say good morning or or perhaps join the reading list? Alrighty then. Get started here. Chapter 9, The Correction of Error. Introduction. The alertness of the ego to the errors which other egos make is not the kind of vigilance the Holy Spirit would have you maintain. Egos are critical in terms of the kind of quote-unquote sense they stand for. They understand this kind of sense because it is sensible to them. To the Holy Spirit, it makes no sense at all. To the ego, it is kind and right and good to point out errors and quote-unquote correct them. This makes perfect sense to the ego, which is totally unaware of what errors are and what correction is. Lori. Thanks, Lori. Chapter 9, Correction of Error. Introduction. The alertness of the ego to the errors which other egos make is not the kind of vigilance the Holy Spirit would have you maintain. Egos are critical in terms of the kind of so-called sense they stand for. They understand this kind of sense because it is sensible to them. To the Holy Spirit, it makes no sense at all. To the ego, it is kind and right and good to point out errors and to so-called correct them. This makes perfect sense to the ego, which is totally unaware of what errors are and what correction is. Two, errors are of the ego, and correction of errors of any kind lies solely in the relinquishment of the ego. When you correct a brother, you are telling him that he is wrong. You may be making no sense of time, and it is certain that if he is speaking from the ego, he will be making no sense. But your task is still to tell him he is right. You do not tell him this verbally if he is speaking foolishly because he needs correction at another level, since his error is at another level. He is still right because he is the Son of God. His ego is always wrong no matter what it says or does. 
Thank you, Lori. And Fran. Two, errors are of the ego, and correction of errors of any kind lies solely in the relinquishment of the ego. When you correct a brother, you're telling him that he is wrong. He may be making no sense at the time, and it is certain that if he is speaking from the ego, he will be making no sense. But your task is still to tell him he is right. You do not tell him this verbally if he is speaking foolishly because he needs correction at another level since his error is at another level. He is still right because he is the son of God. His ego is always wrong no matter what it says or does. Three, if you point out the errors of your brother's ego, you must be seeing through yours because the Holy Spirit does not perceive his egos, his errors. This must be true if there is no communication at all between the ego and the Holy Spirit. The ego makes no sense, and the Holy Spirit does not attempt to understand anything that arises from it. Since he does not understand it, he does not judge it, knowing that nothing it engenders means anything. Thank you, friend. And Harrison. If you point out the errors of your brother's ego, you must be seeing through yours because the Holy Spirit does not perceive his errors. This must be true. If there is no communication at all between the ego and the Holy Spirit, the ego makes no sense. And the Holy Spirit does not attempt to understand anything that arises from it, the ego. Since he does not understand it, he, Capitol H, does not judge it, knowing that nothing it engenders means anything. Section 2, Sanity and Perceptions. When you react at all to errors, you are not listening to the Holy Spirit. He has merely disregarded them. And if you attend to them, you are not hearing him. If you do not hear him, capital H, you are listening to your ego and making as little sense as the brother whose errors you perceive. This cannot be correction, yet it is more than merely lack of correction for him. It is the giving up of correction in yourself. Thank you, Harrison. And Karen. 
Chapter 9, The Correction of Error, Section 2, Sanity and Perception. 4. When you react at all to errors, you are not listening to the Holy Spirit. He has merely disregarded them, and if you attend to them, you are not hearing him. If you do not hear him, you are listening to your ego and making as little sense as the brother whose errors you perceive. This cannot be correcting, yet it is more than merely lack of correcting for him. It is the giving up of correction in yourself. Five, when a brother behaves insanely, you can heal him only by perceiving the sanity in him. If you perceive his errors and accept them, you are accepting yours. If you want to give yours over to the Holy Spirit, you must do this with his. Unless this becomes the one way in which you handle all errors, you cannot understand how all errors are undone. How is this different from telling you that what you teach, you learn? Your brother is as right as you are, and if you think he is wrong, you are condemning yourself. Thank you, Karen. And uh, is there a new reader for uh, five and six? This is Sandra. I can read. Okay, please do, Sandra. When a brother behaves insanely, you can heal him only by perceiving the sanity in him. If you perceive his errors and accept them, you are accepting yours. If you want to give yours over to the Holy Spirit, you must do this with His. Unless this becomes the one way in which you handle all errors, you cannot understand how all errors are undone. How is this different from telling you that what you teach, you learn? Your brother is as right as you are, and if you think he is wrong, you are condemning yourself. You cannot correct yourself. Is it possible then for you to correct another? Yet, you can see him truly because it is possible for you to see yourself truly. It is not up to you to change him, but merely to accept him as he is. His errors do not come from the truth that is in him, and only this truth is yours. His errors cannot change this and can have no effect at all on the truth in you. To perceive errors in anyone and to react to them as if they were real is to make them real to you. You will not escape paying the price for this, not because you are being punished for it, but because you are following the wrong guide and will lose your way. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for six and seven? 
I can do that. Great. Go ahead, Robin May. Six, you cannot correct yourself. Is it possible then for you to correct another? Yet you can see him truly because it is possible for you to see yourself truly. It is not up to you to change him, but merely to accept him as he is. His errors do not come from the truth that is in him, and only this truth is yours. His errors cannot change this and can have no effect at all on the truth in you. To perceive errors in anyone and to react to them as if they were real is to make them real to you. You will not escape paying the price for this, not because you are being punished for it, but because you are following the wrong guide and will lose your way. 7. Your brother's errors are not of him any more than yours are of you. Accept his errors as real, and you have attacked yourself. If you would find your way and keep it, see only truth beside you, for you walk together. The Holy Spirit in you forgives all things in you and in your brother. His errors are forgiven with yours. Atonement is no more separate than love. Atonement cannot be separate because it comes from love. Any attempt you make to correct a brother means that you believe correction by you is possible. And this can only be arrogance of the ego. Correction is of God, who does not know of arrogance. The Holy Spirit forgives forgives the Holy Spirit forgives everything because God created everything. Thank you, Robin Marie. <clears throat> and is there another new reader for seven and eight? Good morning, Lemoyne. I can do it. Okay. Go ahead, Susan. Okay. Thank you. Your brother's errors are not of him any more than yours are of you. Accept his errors as real, and you have attacked yourself. If you would find your way and keep it, see only truth beside you, for you walk together. The Holy Spirit in you forgives all things in you and in your brother. His errors are forgiven with yours. Atonement is no more separate than love. Atonement cannot be separate because it comes from love. Any attempt you make to correct a brother means that you believe correction by you is possible, and this can only be the arrogance of the ego. Correction is of God. Who does not know of arrogance? The Holy Spirit forgives everything because God created everything. Do not undertake his function or you will forget yours. Accept only the function of healing in time because that is what time is for. God gave you the function to create an eternity. You do not need to learn this but you do need to learn 
to want this. And for this, all learning was made. This is the Holy Spirit's good use of an ability which you do not need, but which you have made. Give it to him. You don't, <laughs> you don't know how to use it. He will teach you how to see yourself without condemnation by learning how to look on everything without it. Condemnation will then not be real to you, and all your errors will be forgiven. Holy Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader who would like to uh, conclude with paragraph 8? Another new reader? Um, um, I can do it, Lemoyne. I just have to find it, Ms. Jessica. Okay. I just... <clears throat> Excuse me, got on late. (laughs) Did you say paragraph 8? Yes, in chapter 9, section 2. Okay, paragraph 8, chapter 9, section 2. Okay. Um, Do not undertake his function, or you will forget yours. Accept only the function of healing in time, because that is what time is for. God gave you the function to create an eternity. You do not need to learn this, but you do need to learn to want this. And for this, all learning was made. This is the Holy Spirit's good use of an ability which you do not need, but which you have made. Give it to him. You do not know how to use it. He will teach you how to see yourself without condemnation by learning how to look on everything without it. Condemnation will then not be real to you and all your errors will be forgiven. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Well, uh, <laughs> this, this is then the beginning of chapter 9, the correction of error. <laughs> and uh, I... I I want to just go back to eight for the summary, but um, let me go through the introduction. These are always pretty clarifying, these introductions. So the first line is about vigilance, actually. The alertness of the ego to the errors which other egos make is not the kind of vigilance the Holy Spirit would have you maintain. The instruction being to be vigilant only for God and his kingdom. Let's read that the second sentence, just the central part of it. 
Egos are critical. Egos understand this kind of sense because it is sensible to them. To the Holy Spirit, it makes no sense at all. Um, the egos believes it to be perfect sense, but it is totally unaware of what errors are and what correction is. Errors are of the ego, and correction of errors of any kind lies solely in the relinquishment of the ego. A brother may be making no sense, and it is certain that if he is speaking from the ego, he will be making no sense. But your task is still to tell him that he is right. You do not tell him this verbally if he is speaking foolishly, because he needs correction at another level, since his error is at another level. However, he is still right because he is the son of God. His ego is always wrong, no matter what it says it does. If you point out the errors of your brother's ego, you must be seeing through yours, because the Holy Spirit does not perceive his error. This must be true if there's no communication at all between the ego and the Holy Spirit. The ego makes no sense and the Holy Spirit does not attempt to understand anything that arises from it. Since he does not understand it, he does not judge it, knowing that nothing it engenders means anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Section 2. First paragraph, I think, almost like part of the introduction. When you react at all to errors, you are not listening to the Holy Spirit. He has merely disregarded them, and if you attend to them, you are not hearing Him. If you do not hear Him, you are listening to your ego and making as little a sense as the brother whose errors you perceive. This cannot be correction. Yet it is more than merely lack of correction for him. It is the giving up of correction in yourself. Five, when a brother behaves insanely, you can heal him only by perceiving the sanity in him. If you want to give your errors over to the Holy Spirit, you must do this with his. Unless this becomes the one way in which you handle all errors, you cannot understand how all errors are undone. How is this different from telling you that what you teach, you learn? Your brother is as right as you are, and if you think he is wrong, you are condemning yourself. From paragraph 6, you cannot correct yourself. 
Is it possible then for you to correct another? Yet you can see him truly because it is possible for you to see yourself truly. Therefore, it's not up to you to change him, but merely to accept him as he is. His errors do not come from the truth that is in him, and only this truth is yours. To perceive errors in anyone and to react to them as if they were real is to make them real to you. You will not escape paying the price for this, not because you are being punished for it, but because you are following the wrong guide and will lose your way. Seven, your brother's errors are not of him any more than yours are of you. Accept his errors as real and you have attacked yourself. The Holy Spirit in you forgives all things in you and in your brother. His errors are forgiven with yours. Atonement is no more separate than love. Atonement cannot be separate because it comes from love. Any attempt you make to correct a brother means you believe correction by you is possible and this can only be the arrogance of the ego. Correction is of God who does not know of arrogance. The Holy Spirit forgives everything because God created everything. From eight, do not undertake his function or you will forget yours. God gave you God gave you the function to create an eternity. You do not need to learn this, but you do need to learn to want this, and for this all learning was made. This is the Holy Spirit's good use of an ability which you do not need, but which you have made. Give it to him. You do not know how to use it. He will teach you how to see yourself without condemnation by learning to look on everything without it. Condemnation will then not be real to you and all your errors will be forgiven. We have a few minutes before the top of the hour. Thanks, LeMoyne. Thank you, LeMoyne. That was great. Thank you, LeMoyne. Thank you, LeMoyne. Good night. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, This is so appropriate for my life right now because um, my daughter and her husband are in the process of doing a custody battle. And there's a lot of drama and a lot of stuff going on and a lot of rage texts and a lot of... And all I keep saying is, don't look at it, you know, don't go there, don't focus on it. Um, you know, someone isn't well. It's not the real person happening, that's happening right there. You know, last year at this, or a little after this point, maybe eight months ago or ten months ago, 
it all seemed real. You know, in my mind, which I'm right in there, and I would go from my heart into my ego mind and be, become totally lost and mesmerized by the story and the drama and the interpretations and all of that, all of that. But it feels like right now I'm not in that at all. I won't go there. You know, when all of this stuff is reported to me, I just keep saying, you know, let it go. Just let it go. It's not real. It's, it's, you know, it's like chasing a stick. If your, do- if your mind is like a dog and you throw a stick, the dog will run after it. And then, you know, you're in the game. But if you ignore it and you just told that this is a child of God, right now, you know, it's not, uh, the person might not, might be crying for love. That's what I keep telling her. It's, you know, he's really just crying for love. He really just wants help. Don't even go there. Don't look into, like, all the things that he's saying and don't take the drama seriously. Um, I know that this is actually pointing farther than where my mind can yet go. And I know that if I drop into my, if I judge him, then I drop into my ego, and if I drop into my ego, then I'm then I'm subject to my own guilt, my own mistakes guilt, you know. But if I stay in the heart and stay in love and stay in the truth, you know, our job is to be helpful. Our job is not to judge and not to react with hate and with um, judgment. So. I know this goes farther, and I'm not going to even try to do that, but um, at this, I mean, I'm not going to talk about that. Someone else can. But um, at the beginning level, this is where I'm working with it, and it's constant. It's like every single day, a multitude of conversations go by, and I just keep saying, you know, just dismiss it. Don't follow and don't jump into it. I think I've got that right. Anyway, thank you. I'm complete. Oh, that was excellent, Karen. I love your comment yeah, about thank you. participating in the game. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Karen. Congratulations. What a great um, model of how to deal with conflict <laughs> that appears mm-hmm. to be happening. Thanks. Thank you, Karen. I had uh, something uh, that that made me think of which was um, someone came into the Center for Spiritual Living, which is where I worship on Sundays. And uh, she started talking about uh, a similar thing. And she had taken someone's side. And all I could think of was, I'm just going to pray for the children because they're the ones who who are... Um, you know, being fought over, and and God knows where they should be. And you're right, just the whole ego thing, just a mess. <laughs> so don't get into it. Thanks, Karen. No, oh, thanks, Robin Marie. Yes, thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you. Oh. 
Just one more comment. Um, my daughter's getting it. She's understanding. You know, it's like I've been saying this for a while now, you know, just don't go into it. Don't follow what he's saying and try to react, you know, react to it and respond to it. Don't respond to any of it. You know, it's not coming from a place of his, his true self because I believe in his divine self. I believe in it. I just don't. I I think he needs help, and this is the way he's asking for help. And she's getting it. I'm complete. Oh, that's pretty cool. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Karen. That is actually, that's a, in what you shared is, in the way you shared it is like a perfect setup for the lesson. And what this direction is like away from error, but then towards what? And so the lesson will go there. And uh, yeah, I don't, it's a, the custody battles always seem to be like some kind of demand to split the baby. It's like, ew. And, uh, um, hmm. I really appreciate your analogy of the stick because that stick is probably one of the, in terms of evolution, it's probably one of the first weapons. You know, if you just throw it and let it go, that would be okay. Well, but if you throw it and, uh, you know, it's thrown by the ego and you run out there like the dog and pick it up and chew on it, that's, this, is, this is not the right way to escape. Because, I, you know, when I read this section, I really got that what he's pointing at is in this thing of correction of error is to become free of it is is the healing that is um, offered and it, in fact the last section says it's given so um, we turn to you now Fran to remind us about what what is given truly and I thank you Okay, thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Hi, everybody. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You finished? (laughs) Okay. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 101. God's will for me is perfect happiness. Darsha reads some from the lesson. Today we will continue with the theme of happiness. This is a key idea in understanding what salvation means. You still believe and ask for suffering as penance for your quote-unquote sins. If sin is real, then happiness must be illusion, for they cannot both be true. If sin is real, salvation must be pain, 
Pain is the cost of sin, and suffering can never be escaped. If sin is real, salvation must be feared, for it will kill but slowly. Who would seek out such savage punishment? If sin is real, its offering is death, and meted out in cruel form to match the vicious wishes in which sin is born. If sin is real, salvation has become your bitter enemy, the curse of God upon you who have crucified his son. You need the practice periods today. The exercises teach sin is not real and all that you believe must come from sin will never happen. Accept atonement with an open mind. There is no sin. We practice with this thought as often as we can today because it is the basis for today's idea. God's will for you is perfect happiness. Fear not the will of God, but turn to it in confidence that it will set you free from all the consequences sin has wrought in feverish imagination. Say, God's will for me is perfect happiness. There is no sin. It has no consequence. <clears throat> so, should you start your practice periods and then attempt again to find the joy these thoughts will introduce into your mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. Give these five minutes five minutes gladly to remove the heavy load you laid upon yourself with the insane belief that sin is real. Today, escape from madness. You are set on freedom's road. There is no sin. Remember this today. And tell yourself as often as you can, God's will for me is perfect happiness. This is the truth because there is no sin. So we'll do a five-minute top-of-the-hour practice. God's will for me is perfect happiness.
Today, we will continue with the theme of happiness. Lesson 101, God's will for me is perfect happiness. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. I love the way you emphasize that on Freedom's Road. Thank you. Oh, thank Thank you. Good morning, this is Sandra. And God's will for me is perfect happiness. Um, There is no sin. (laughs) That's enough to make me perfectly happy, (laughs) is to know that I'm innocent. There is no sin. You're innocent. There is no sin. (laughs) You know, but there are mistakes. I can make a mistake. That's not a sin. Mistakes are wonderful gifts for me because they give me opportunities for learning. Um, I used to sing a song to my kids when they were little, oops, I made a mistake, oops, I made a mistake. What do you do when you make a mistake? You learn from your mistakes. And um, if I can just see myself as innocent and and my brothers as innocent, and yeah, we're all making mistakes, but that's because we're all learning and not get defensive. And, you know, where it goes awry is when I take it personally. And then as soon as I take something personally, I want to judge it. And when I take something personally, I'm not letting it pass through. It's going to hurt. When I see errors or when I make errors, it may hurt. That's okay. That's just part of the learning process. You know, the discomfort is how I learn not to keep repeating the same mistake over and over again. If I didn't feel that discomfort, I would keep making the same mistake over and over again. Well, the world is getting pretty uncomfortable at this point for a lot of people. And that's because we have to look at the mistakes we're making. It's not that we're sinners or that we're evil. We're making mistakes and we have to correct them but it, it, it starts with each one of us individually being willing to say, you know what, I've made some mistakes. I need to correct them. You can judge me and condemn me for them, which will not work for either one of us. I can judge me and condemn me for it. It doesn't work for me either. Um, or I can just let it pass through and um, know that for every mistake, there's hundreds of possibilities of corrections. There's not just one way to correct it. Well, there is just one way, and that's to know my, my unity with all things, that there are no mistakes, that God is in everything I see. Um, because God uses my mistakes for my evolution. <laughs> God doesn't condemn me for it. God says you're going to evolve from this. You're going to learn, and you're going to grow. So in that sense, there are no mistakes. I'm complete. It's a big circle. I'm complete. (laughs) Thank you, Sandra. I love that little song. Thank you, Sandra. 
Thanks, Robin Marie. I guess I'll have to add another, make up another little verse to the Sesame Street song. Do you remember that one? Everyone makes mistakes. Oh, yes, they do. Your brother and your sister and your dad and mother, too. Big people, small people, matter of fact, all people. Everyone makes mistakes, so why can't you? Then I'll have to add something about learning from them. <laughs> Thanks, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you, Marie. Thank you, Robert Marie. Good morning. This is Herod. In paragraph two of the introduction, elders are of the ego. Boy, I think about how much angst. I am a less angst I would have experienced if I knew and believed that. And importantly, if I believed that ego is not me, that really is the heart of the problem. Is this unalterable identification with the ego as me? And most of my life not realizing that that's a really strongly held belief that I've had that I never called question. I thought the ego was something Freud talked about. That it existed in the realms of psychology but certainly not a part of my religious training. My pastor didn't talk about the ego. But he talked about me. <laughs> but to recognize that there is an alternative to the ego, and more importantly, an alternative to the ego thought system. That really goes to the heart of the matter. 
is to understand that I have believed and embraced a whole thought system based on something that was not true. And from a religious point of view, led me down this rabbit hole of sin, guilt, and death. A whole belief system that made me feel like I was crap. <laughs> Excuse my French. And that led me to do all kinds of things. Condemnation of myself and others. Says here, to the ego, it is kind and right and good to point out errors and correct them. I spent a lot of time on the errors. Mine and everybody else's. And that seems to be a prevailing idea in our cultures. And, and our religions pointing on errors and quote unquote correct them, thinking that I can correct them. But the errors just then reoccur in a different form. But it's the same error. Believing in the ego thought system and ultimately believing that I'm separate from God and that, that I have sinned and the ultimate sin, thinking that I've separated myself from God. I went against his will and I am going to be subject to the ultimate punishment, eternal damnation. To the ego, it is kind and right and good to point out errors and quote unquote correct them. This makes perfect sense to the ego, which is totally unaware of what errors are and what correction is. The only way out of this conundrum is to recognize that the ego 
is not me. In fact, the ego does not exist. Doesn't exist now. It never existed in the past, and it won't exist in the future. Correction of errors of any kind lies solely in the relinquishment of the ego. So if I really don't want problems, either in the world of revolution or in my spiritual world, then all I have to do is to let go of the idea of the ego, to let go of the thought system that we have created in allegiance to the ego. What the course calls the ego thought system. And that goes to the heart of the matter. If I can relinquish that and recognize that whatever I see going on in this physical world has no consequence, it does not matter what my brother does or says, it is of no consequence. That's the key to happiness. Rather, good stuff in these two little sections. I'm going to stop right here. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, that was so expansive, Harrison. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Harrison. It was great. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison.
Welcome morning, everyone. This is Lori. And um, I really like starting a new chapter as we move through this book. And um, I'll just tell you from the get-go, my word for the day is engagement. Engagement. And when I get a word for the day, I'm always prompted to go look it up. Why is why is that the word for the day? My questioning mind asks. So when I looked it up, there were um, you know lots of lots of odd sorts of definitions like engagement as it relates to a military undertaking. Um, words like that. But my eyes rested on um, engagement as participation. That seemed to fit today. Engagement as participation. And when I look over the table of contents in this work, I get a sense of a pattern um, that he wants me to engage my mind with. A pattern of, you summarized it so beautifully, Harrison, a pattern of misunderstanding what and who I am, beginning with the illusion of separation, then retraining the mind, then the root of all evil, healing and wholeness, and how about seven, the consistency of the kingdom, and eight, the journey back. And now nine, the correction of error. As I looked at the word engagement and the correction of error in today's lesson, um, I started to relax a little bit, let my mind relax a little bit, and be open to what it is that's going on here and as I relaxed I caught my mind humming because I have a I have a tune that came to me years ago whenever I come upon iambic pentameter there's a tune that goes with it and so there I was humming that tune when I realized today's lesson is entirely in iambic pentameter God's will for me is perfect happiness. And every every sentence in the lesson follows in that same rhythm. God's will for me is perfect happiness. It is singable. And, and then I, I thought about the word engagement, and I thought, he wants me to have a new relationship with everything understanding that I need to retrain my mind and that there's a journey back and there's consistency of the kingdom and there's a problem here, the root of all evil that results in fear and attack. But here in this section is explaining to me how my misunderstanding myself led to me misunderstanding everything. (sighs) 
And if I misunderstand myself, I will misunderstand everything. Way back in, in chapter 3, he says, you can't perceive without a belief in more or less. A belief in more or less. Perception is based on the belief in more or less. More error, less error. That sense that there's something there's something perfect and if I could attain that level of perfection um, I wouldn't have this belief in more or less but the great good news is the perfection that he wants me to engage with is my own perfection he says what happens to perception if there is no judgment there is no more or less but perfect equality what happens to perception it becomes impossible without the belief in more or less degrees of separation degrees of perfection degrees in miracles degrees in everything you're achieving you're not achieving you're this you're that what happens to perception if without a belief in more or less but perfect equality that's what he's asking me to engage with and Sandra when you said how can I not be happy there is no sin well that's the great good news I misunderstood everything because I misunderstood myself and when my mind is corrected uh, there are consequences something happens when my mind receives correction there's an outcome to that something wonderful happens engagement in its true sense involves things like sharing like participating in excuse me one second participating in play a part in partake in cooperate with take part in a purpose lend a hand share in common and then I looked over the contents the section titles in this chapter and every single one of them starting tomorrow uh, the atonement as a lesson in sharing is an invitation to participate an invitation to engage with truth what happens to perception without belief in more or less but only perfect equality perception becomes impossible to know God's miracle he says is to know him you are God's miracle and when I have that new relationship with myself the consequence is happiness it just is I don't have to go looking for it or manufacture it or come up with it or do anything except to be open-minded enough to engage with purpose with truth to the ego these first eight paragraphs are nonsense um, when I experience life as, as an ego 
I listened only to this ruthlessly perfectionistic voice in my head constantly telling me about achievement and lack of achievement, perfection and lack of perfection, what's expected and what's not good, all the time going on ruthlessly demanding of me some achievement. That's the ego. And when that voice was the only voice I heard in my head, that was the only voice I had to share. Being ruthlessly perfectionistic of myself, I was ruthlessly perfectionistic about creation. That's a good definition of ego as it operates in the world. When I hold my my mind to that, to that, um, what do you say, expectation? That's how I'll engage with the world. But the healing of my mind, the acceptance of the atonement, straightens all that out and gives me the basis for a different kind of engagement with the world because I have a different kind of engagement with myself. What a relief. What a tremendous relief. I'm willing to be dazzled. You know, when I was ruthlessly perfectionistic, I demanded that I understand everything before I accepted whether or not it was true because I held it to a standard. And that standard required that I understand it so that I could slot it into something. This is how ego is in the mind, this voice always demanding, demanding, demanding. And when I listen to it, I demand, demand, demand of creation. But thank God I can have a different kind of engagement with my mind. He said, I would not share my body with you, but I would share my mind with you. Take me as your model for thinking. He doesn't ruthlessly demand perfection of me. Neither does God. Neither does Holy Spirit. He starts with understanding you're already perfect. And if I can accept the nature of innocence as being true of all creation, what happens to my ruthless demands? They're just gone. And in its place is the happiness that truth always affords. When I try to correct someone, I become disharmonious in myself. It turns out that by understanding these these first eight paragraphs, by understanding, I mean letting the Holy Spirit heal my mind of that ruthless demand for whatever it is I value. Letting the Holy Spirit heal my mind of that, I've got something in something different to share. I have something different to engage with, to join with. I have a different purpose. And that purpose is purely sharing. Holy Spirit, he says, teaches you the difference between pain and joy. Ego is, is a cry for pain. It's an asking for pain because of that ruthless demand. When I can accept creation as it was given me, the perfection of everything, it disappears because it was never true.
and I'm able to engage in a new way. This is a new beginning. I was thinking today, iambic pentameter, these lessons that begin on, on day 100, isn't it just perfect that they start 100 days after the new year? 100 days after learning what the ego does to my mind. 100 days after uh, winter ends and new life begins. New life, engage in a new way. I was really, really grateful for this today. Um, to understand and listen and hear in a new way and I'm complete. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori.
Well, this is Lemoyne, and thank you all. It's been, <laughs> been uh, a lot of delicious silence here. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I want this. There's been a, a bit of a parade going by it. And uh, I, you know, I don't. I think. I think part of what this is pointing at is this. Uh, is uh, <clears throat> a different. You know, it's a. It's about correction of perception. And. And how perception is uh, severely limited by focus on particular. Yeah. Some kind of need to see it acted out before. belief in the the to say the beneficence of all things is uh is that belief in that is acceptable and we want to see it first. And so we focus on where we see it not instead and this just is not the right way the right way, the right direction to look. Um, that, you know, there's a, that the one focus of the lesson is <clears throat> is how it relates to the acceptance of atonement. Accept atonement with an open mind which cherishes no lingering belief you have made a devil of God's son. That to focus on sin or error is always a focus on the past. And it's uh, only valid and useful if you believe, if we believe that the past determines. And this is, in fact, perception that the instruction of the lesson is designed to escape. God's will for me is perfect happiness. Independent. And so there's there's that. He's asking us to take a an eternal or a universal view. Things happen, but, you know, things are happening now. And this is the fundamental distinction in the special principles. The distinction between what was created and what is being created is essential to all correction. And, uh, you know, things happen. (laughs) 
I've been instructed to think of it this way. It's like, shh, it happens. <laughs> anyway, um, and the the reminder is it's still it's still happening, <clears throat> and that the will is this will for perfect happiness is is an escape from this past thinking, which then releases the the present and the future. So <laughs> there's that. One thing that occurred is I thought of the line I think it may be in the Bible. Something like uh do not suffer fools gladly, and I think that could just be shortened. And what this lesson is pointing out is do not suffer gladly. That it, suffering, <laughs> it, it, there is a, a a point being made here that the suffering is is an option, and it. it uh, It's cloying, cloying, and, you know, it becomes a a trap. But it's always a past focus, and um, it just totally covers up the power of the present and uh, seems to make the future uh, bring to the future a guarantee of struggle. And none of that is really necessary. It's this correction and the correction of error is to turn away. And this lesson today is just perfect in terms of what to turn towards instead. So I'm complete. Thank you, Lamorne. That was really great. Thank you, Lamorne. I'm so sorry he had to miss most of the talk after the lesson. This is such a good um, introduction, and, you know, it speaks so much about the truth. Um, Do I know the truth of who I am? Do I even want to know the truth? Um, do I want peace? Do I want happiness? Or am I more invested in in criticizing and complaining and seeing the world as it is not according to my own opinion of it? Um, you know, this is a lot for me about trusting God and and how he created me to be and wanting to know his will for me, thy will not mine be done, and to to do inventory, the self-inventory of how, um, how honest I am, how sincere I am in my fidelity to the truth of who I am, and um, my needing to know the truth about myself on, on a daily basis, you know, that in the world I'm changing and situations change and my reactions can change, and for me to be ever-present in um, 
the presence of my own peace and and not and knowing and knowing that I am responsible for how I think um, um, determines how I feel and um, my need to know the truth about myself and my need to speak and tell the truth, speak honestly, and um, to see the truth. I can't see the truth in anything if I can't see the truth in myself because I'm seeing through the distortion of fearful anxiety or through my own greed or my own ambition, my own self-centered, self-seeking will, and um, my own agenda. What am I going to use the world for? So, you know, this correction, total correction for perception is the total undoing of it, that um, anything that I see in the world through my body's eyes is it's mere interpretation and opinion and knowingly acknowledging that if I am disturbed when I'm reacting to errors I perceive in the world, I'm not listening to the voice of God in me. And I've separated myself from God. And I'm merely functioning from the standpoint of separation and a separate point of view at the world. Illusion, judging illusions which has no effect, but it can be destructive in the world, and it's certainly not helping heal the world. So this is a very powerful section for me. And to always remember that um, I can't correct myself. I can't cure um, my insanity with my own insanity, my own interpretation and, and analysis of myself. Anything that I've learned from the past is, not to be, it's to be let go of. When I invite my guest, my holy guest, um, as my guide and my teacher, that I will not let anything I think I know intrude upon his being here. And I will keep a completely open mind and heart and um, in that emptiness be filled with the, the perfect love and the perfect way to look at something or see someone But to see the world, I will not know God. To see the body, I will not know the spirit. And this is perfectly clear to me and more than obvious that if I'm seeing the world as Jude sees it through her body, she's just being an ego. And I have to step back and let God lead the way, let the Christ in me lead the way. Um, You know, and that's where my true happiness lies is in and 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 knowing God, I know, I know what happiness that's not contingent on anything I see outside of me means. True happiness, a constant, consistent state of happiness that is who and what and where I am, always changelessly. That I am peace. Who, no matter who I'm with, where I am. Or, um, you know, what's going on, that that peace is, is my relationship with my one source, my one creator, from which all my knowing comes, knowingness, knowing awareness of what the world is and, and what meaning, if anything, it has in it for me and for anyone else, letting it completely go or, or resting in peace and um, bringing peace to it. This correction's not of me, it's 
not possible for me to correct another. You know, that criticisms and complaints, I can't count my blessings if I'm criticizing um, or, you know, in that first paragraph, egos are critical. They're critical. They're always judging, criticizing, complaining, condemning. And I can't count my blessings when I'm managing a complaint. <laughs> That's one of the one of the simplest tools that I use, you know. Um, so that's, um, you know, the sense of the ego always being at war, always being in conflict, always wanting to attack. But the knowledge, it's knowledge from God himself, Christ himself, Holy Spirit himself, that attack is meaningless, that the united power of the kingdom of God the ego cannot prevail against it. It's perfectly protected and perfectly safe. And therein it lies my truth. And I'm going to stand in the truth and know what the truth of is of and for me and how um, it is my protection and care. And um, I need to speak it, tell it sincere, sincerely authentically um, fidelity to the truth is sincerity ergo there I go I got my two cents in (laughs) love you guys (laughs) thank you Judy thank you Judy love you too and thank you Judy Thank you, Judy. That was great, Chair. And thank you, Lemoyne. So is yours. And Lori, I'm sorry I haven't responded, but I have my hands in the dirt. I'm just weeding <laughs> as I listen. So thank you so much. I loved, loved, loved all three of your shares so much. No, oh, thanks, Karen. I'm just going to ditto what Karen said. Thank you so much all three of you. And thank you, Karen, for presencing, tending your garden. Yeah. Which is, which is uh, <clears throat> what the Course of Love suggests as a way to perceive this uh, process of correction. In your garden. <laughs> so, Gloria, go ahead. I just wanted, I just wanted to thank Karen for her share because it was the perfect example of what the text said today that um, we maintain our peace by staying out of the war, and it and reminds me uh-huh. of um, above the battleground, one of my favorite chapters in the text to stay above the battleground. We can't defend peace. We just have to be peace. Thank you, Karen. Well, thank you. Thanks, I, you know, once, a while ago, um, I guess, you know, last election and so on, I couldn't imagine not participating in the debate and, you know, standing up for what I thought was the right thing. And now I can't even listen to the news. It's just, 
you know, I don't see the point in it anymore to engaging in the in all the conflict and all the uh, you know. Anyway, about tending the garden, thank you so much for saying something about that. I moved into this house in 2020, and I've always had magnificent gardens, perennial gardens, beautiful gardens. And there's only a little space I have to work here, but I can't figure it out. So I'm mentioning it because I don't know what's a weed and what's supposedly a ground cover. I mean, it's just a total enigma to me, which is the first time in my life. So thank you for letting me mention that. It's an interesting garden. (laughs) wonder if it's my mind. I wonder if it's a a symbol of what's going on. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Karen. All right, well, I actually did have something to share about the the lesson this morning. Um, God's will for me is perfect happiness. Sin is not real. Sin is not real. I went into meditation this morning, and when I did so, um, at first I was I was looking at what am I feeling guilty about right now? What do I feel I've sinned about right now? And it was like Holy Spirit took me from that place into a look at the conditioned mind of all of the belief in sin and punishment, you know, to the point where I was a little girl and I stole something and I got sick afterwards. And I was like reinforced in the belief that there's punishment if you do anything wrong. I'm so grateful for the Course to be able to imagine a God that isn't that, that isn't punitive, and that the whole world isn't like this trick. If you do the wrong thing, if you step the wrong way, you're going to get hurt. You know, that God is punitive, and even by accident, if you step the wrong way, you're going to get hurt. That was childhood conditioning, but it doesn't apply to God. And I heard someone talking a few days ago, and that was what their mind was basically saying. And, you know, I, I gently suggested a different idea. But in my own mind, I was thinking, oh, thank you, God, if this isn't true. Thank you, it isn't true. And finally, there's some sorting it out instead of being possessed by the fear that there's going to be this horrible punishment coming for every mistake I've ever done that it can't be undone. Anyway, the um, actual meditation was very, very specific, but I will spare you. <laughs> I will spare you all the details, but it was very specific about looking at what's going on now that I feel guilty about. Um, I will just share, okay, so I've gained a lot of weight while I've been in this house because I've been very isolated since 2020. I don't see any of my old friends, and now I'm horrified to see them. 
because they would look at me and go, what the hell happened, you know? And uh, so I've been avoiding a couple people because gaining a lot of weight is like a sign that you're gluttonous pig, <laughs> you know, not not a real together healthy, holy person and all that. Anyway, that took me back into other, other ego beliefs. And that's what they are. They're beliefs. Ego beliefs. And they're kind of like um, carved in stone. You know, you, as you go back, they're, they're very, they seem very formidable. They seem very uh, strong, even though they're illusions that are not real at all. Um, I've been giving power to them for so long. So um, there were many more specific examples, but I was just giving you one to to show you it kind of it went from the present way back, further back. Um, the biggest the biggest one, the biggest sin, is falling spiritually. You know, nobody does that. I don't know anybody else who's done that, who's fallen. If that isn't the epitome of sin, I can't imagine. You know, at the time I thought nothing could ever, ever touch my love for God. My love for God was everything to me. I didn't know there was any such thing as falling. I wouldn't have believed it if someone had said, you better be careful because, you know, there's such a thing as an ego, and you may not be in it right now, but you could fall into it again. I would never have believed it. Of course, I didn't have very sophisticated intellectual understanding of anything at that time. I hadn't even gone to college yet. But um, that's kind of like the un, unhealed, unforgivable sin. How could you do that? by being stupid, by doing the wrong things, even though in the name, at the time it was in the name of spiritual spiritual practice. Oh, people said, oh, I can't feel my body. I must be dissociated. I must, you know, something must be wrong with me because all I feel is light. So I went on a quest to define my, my sexuality, to find my body, find sensation. It was like ridiculous being led by people who were doing um, self-help and very primitive spiritual practices. Anyway, um, there is no sin. There is no sin. And there's no attainment because it's already with us. There's nowhere to go. It's already here. You know, it's just believing it again and letting go of all the falsehood and all the illusions. Um, thank you. I'm complete. Oh, I love listening to every single bit of that, Karen. Thank you so much. And P.S. I wouldn't have believed it either, but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you so much, Karen. Yeah, thank you. You know, Karen. Karen. Thanks. 
Um, and I just want to say, I, you know, I'm so grateful for all the trauma and all the judgment that I've experienced on this planet because, yes. because it brought me to God. And, and that's, that's where I feel relief. And, and, and I think it's on this planet. I think it's supposed to be this way because the, 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 evolution, the evolutionary process of this planet is to return back to its original factory settings. Thank you, Judy. You know, it's it's like um, we're we're that's everything's happening in perfect order. We left so that we could see how horrific it was going to be when we left, and then we said, "Uh-uh, I'm not going back there again." And God loved us so much, loves us so much that He's willing to let us explore you know, and try out different things. You know, just like how we are with our kids. And even when we... Go ahead. He gave us the world. That's what the text says. He gave us the world. I'm sorry for interrupting. Go on. Go on. No, no, it's all good. (laughs) And uh, no, it's just just like um, we are loved, and that's why we have this freedom to... Go so in any direction we want, and it's the, the the question is, what do we really want? And we're starting to reveal that with our our words and our actions. Period. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. I just wanted to say that seeking outside of ourselves is seeking God because God is in everything, and I think Lee really helped me to understand that that all my longing for God was just longing for myself, that we make this journey. We can go searching everywhere, all throughout the whole universe for God, when God is us, you know, and it's, that's that, you know, returning ourselves to our natural state, that we are all of it, but we just don't know it. And, and to claim it and, and, and recognize it as the truth that, you know, I, I'm, when you, I started to hear you say, Sandra, you know, all the judgment and, and, and stuff that I found in, in um, you know, becoming addicted to alcohol and drugs that I ran down a road I never imagined myself um, going to the point where I didn't recognize even my ego self as myself. And it was, it was so pitiful. And, um, but, it, you know, somewhere I read that, that even an alcoholic is looking for God in the drink. And they say that, you know, the, the spirits will set you free. And, you know, literally or figuratively, you know, that, that um, we seek happiness in a, in a chocolate piece of chocolate cake or chocolate ice cream. And it, it, we think it's the thing that brings us the happiness, but it's, it's the safe satiation of the desire, the, the resting in the satisfied desire of it, the di- desire, desirelessness that is our true state, that we really don't need anything. And that's where we're the happiest. And that's why we feel happy when we're satiated, when we satisfy ourselves with things outside of ourselves. Because it does for one moment um it restores to our natural state but we mistakenly give the things outside of ourselves the credit for it and we don't know ourselves as being that natural state so that's something that's come to me 
I love you all, and I hope you have a happy, happy day. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Well, I'm going to do it this time. I'm going to ask you, uh, Lori, do you have a a poetic cap for this call? I I do. Um, I just want to read this last sentence from paragraph 8 again. The Holy Spirit will teach you how to see yourself without condemnation by learning how to look on everything without it. Condemnation will then not be real to you and all your errors will be forgiven. Oh, I wish my dog wasn't barking right now. But um, in spite of it, (laughs) in spite of it, I read this section as asking me to be willing to engage with life in a different way. Just be willing to engage with life in a different way. I read a poem from Paul Tran this morning that says it really well. You're too afraid of who you are to know who you can be. You're too afraid of being happy. You're too happy being afraid. You're afraid you're happy. You're afraid the way a broken bowl gilded and glued back together with gold is still broken, that knowing makes no difference. You're broken still, but you're happy? You're afraid to, but still you're happy. You're who you can be already, whether you know it or not. You're different already. You don't need to know to know. You're ready to engage with life in a different way. I added those last few words. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Well, thank you, Lori. And, uh, with that statement of readiness <laughs> I just want to add a little bit more from paragraph 8 <clears throat> except only the function of healing in time because that is what time is for God gave you the function to create an eternity You do not need to learn this, but you do need to learn to want this. And for this, all learning was made. God gave you the function to create an eternity. And today's lesson is (laughs) a great suggestion on what can be created. God's will is our perfect happiness. So thank you all. And uh, stop the recording, not the call. <laughs> and, thank uh, you, Lemoyne. We'll continue. Thank you, Lemoyne. Mm. Perfect facilitating both of you. Thank you. Thank you for holding me. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking beautiful music, yeah. <laughs> 